This is The Guardian. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Why are influencers taking their feuds into the boxing ring? Yo, what's up? This is your boy KSI. I am a professional boxer. Now, if the price is right and you want me to fight someone you can't fight, sign me up. It will also be one of the most watched fights of the year, and the reach on the various social media platforms puts most world title fights to shame. You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shante Joseph, for The Guardian. The girls are fighting, and I don't just mean on Twitter. I mean IRL with boxing gloves in a ring in front of a paying crowd. 27 for your winner by unanimous decision, Paige Last weekend, East London rapper Paige Keiki and social media influencer Tennessee Thresh fought it out at the Ovo Arena Wembley. And I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know who they are, but I'm betting you will have heard of KSI, Jake Paul, and his brother, Logan Paul. These influencer boxing matches look like the Wild West to me. I'm not sure I would pay to watch them, but it got me wondering, what is it about the world of boxing that has attracted influencers and content creators? The first pay-per-view I stayed up and watched was in my early teens. It was uh, Hatton versus Mayweather. It felt like the biggest thing in the world. Rob Armstrong is a boxing presenter and broadcaster. He's worked closely with Tyson Fury. So what is the world champion like? We went to his house and we were like, right, we're going to get these like, really good lines down the camera. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to beat John the world. I'm going to knock him out, da, 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 all that. And then we end up just talking about what his favourite pick and mix was. <laughs> and that, and that, was, that, was the, that, that was the video we got out of the day. Hey, look, I'm on TV. Good-looking fella, isn't he? There's a nose on me. It's like it's left a bit, doesn't it? Working with him now, it feels like you're at the biggest event in the world every mm. time he's there because the amount of media that, that follow him around. Boxing media is kind of strange. The access you get is, is mad. So you can be like a, a YouTube channel with 15,000 subscribers and get the same amount of access as, I don't know, well, The Guardian or something, right? So it's, it's, Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's a funny sport and it just operates in its own yeah. world. But when he's in town and everyone's chasing around, it, you just look around and you think, this is, yeah. this is big. I want everyone to close their eyes and imagine. I am a professional boxer 
and I am match ready. You know, I've been training. I've been going ham in the gym. I can believe it. Who decides who I'm going to fight and when do I fight them? Once you turn pro, which is when you start boxing for money, you need to get a promoter. Now, if there's a lot of noise about you, one of the big ones will come in. You might have a manager who then introduces you to a promoter. A promoter has a deal with a broadcaster. Right. And then from there, we can start arranging fights. But it's your promoter who will make the fights for you. So we've signed you to a promoter. Mm -hmm. At some point, if it's your first fight, you'll be against someone who's fought 150 times and lost 149 times. You'll have a few fights against journeymen. Right. And then you start moving into the ones where it will be televised and then you build your platform. A lot of where you end up on a card when you're a boxer is is basically based on how many tickets you sell. So much of the sport really is involved about making yourself as much money in a very short and dangerous career as possible. One thing I find fascinating about boxing when they're doing kind of the weigh-ins and they're doing the fighting talk and some of the narratives that are spun during this time to see how people like react to each other. Are these actually real beefs or are they like pretend beefs to amp up the fight? Sometimes they're like mega respectful. Sometimes they really hate each other. Sometimes they might not, but they act like they do. Ultimately, in a lot of these scenarios, boxers, you you can't just be an aggressive maniac because you're going to get knocked out because it's not not just two thugs in a ring. It's it's a sport and it's a science. Everyone calls it the sweet science. You have to be an excellent boxer to be an excellent boxer. You can't just be someone who can throw a good punch. Mm. Um, But they do have to get into the mindset where I'm going to punch this person and hopefully knock them out. I don't think you can really do that if you're best mates. Yeah. (laughs) But if it's interesting, people will come back. I need to keep bringing this back to me because this is my fight. And so now it's the day of the fight and we're doing the walk-in. Now, this is (laughs) the most, it's just the best part of it. Like, I love the drama. I love the theatre. I can't believe I thought this was for sweaty old men. And so the walk-ins are when the boxers enter the arena and it is honestly just like a Beyonce concert for, you know, 10 minutes. There was one where Anthony Joshua had like Stormzy come out before him. We're inside the building. My name is Stormzy. My name is The Problem. There's another one where like Tyson Fury came out on a golden throne. And And like a king would, he has decided to be carried on a throne. And it was just like, everything about it was just incredible. Who comes up with this part of the the boxing sort of like ceremony? Tyson, showman. So he, he likes to do the big thing. Canelo, who I mentioned earlier, he had a, he's fought in Vegas most of his sort of big career. He had a homecoming in Mexico. And I think there was maybe 60,000 people there, 70,000 people. He had his arena. Oh. It's, the, the entrance is so good. It's so dramatic. I want to understand more about how boxing works as in like an organization, basically how the sport works as an institution, because I want to understand like the governing bodies involved, because it feels like there's a very complex picture in the way that boxing is governed. It's kind of like, you know, football has FIFA. Like what does boxing's FIFA look like if that exists? Yeah, messy. There's four leading organizations in terms of if you you want to be a, a world champion, you could be WBA, which is a World Boxing Association, WBO, World Boxing Organization. Oh, God. WBC, a World Boxing Council, IBF, which is International Boxing Federation. Oh, my day. So that you can be a champion of four different 
commissions, essentially, uh, organizations. Then to get your license, you have to, over here, you go to the British Boxing Border Control. If you're fighting in Vegas, you have to go to the Nevada Commission. Even now, sometimes someone will say something like, wait, wait, sorry, who did, wait, which champion is he? Oh, we've got this, and he's WBA. No, he's WBA regular. What's, so what's the WBA super champion, oh right? Oh my so, God. Uh, I think that's one of the sort of biggest criticisms a lot of boxing fans will have of the sport it, it, it can just mess everything up because everyone wants to make money off of everyone that makes it very hard to get your wbo champion to fight your wbc champion mm. because the wbo has it in their best interest for you to stay that champion so we can they can set you up with other people in their yeah, ranking list yeah. and then the other organization wants to do the same thing we're kind of moving into this place where like actual influencers and youtubers and content creators are are fighting like like dead serious like as professionals and I want to understand better like how does the boxing community see these kind of fights do they take them seriously do they think like get off our turf like what's going on it's mixed I would say largely they don't like it mm. um, and there's a number of reasons not to like it firstly it, it dilutes the space it takes up nights where the big fight should be happening. People see an influencer fight happening instead and think, oh, why is this getting all the press? Why is this getting all the attention? Yes. We know right? why, why, right? Because people are watching and it makes the money. Mm. It's probably an element of, of jealousy. If, if you devoted your life to something and you're a world champion at featherweight, you probably won't get as much attention as an influencer boxer will and you won't mm. make the same money as an influencer boxer will. I, and I totally understand why that would, that would annoy you. Of course it would. Things happen in life all the time in any any kind of life where you think, why, why are they getting that? And I'm not, when yeah. I've worked hard, you know, that that's sort of a part of life. And I think that's a lot of what uh, the boxing world and boxing community, like the traditional boxing community has struggled with is that the fact that these guys are doing so well, getting so much attention and the, 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 the fighters that almost deserve it. Mm, aren't. aren't getting it. They, it's less risk for them as well. You're doing one big fight where you're going to make millions or whatever. Whereas the, if you're dedicated to this thing, like you're constantly yeah. risking like your life, your yeah. future to do this. And then you don't even get like a percentage of what they get. Yeah. So. But I mean, the risk is another huge reason why people are worried about it. Because at some point on one of these influencer shows, someone's going to get hurt. Mm. Because that happens and like that is boxing, unfortunately. You see it in... Every sport has injuries. Unfortunately, boxings are mostly, well, not mostly, but can result in head injuries, mm. which cause all kinds of problems. At some point, if uh, I, I keep coming back to Jake Paul as an example, but Jake Paul trains properly, spars properly. The reason he's been as successful as he is is that he's pumped a lot of money and time into becoming a good boxer. If he goes up with someone who's just in there because they're famous, the person takes fight, and if they haven't prepared properly, could actually get really, really hurt. And at some point, it's not happened yet, thankfully. Yeah. But at some point, if they keep throwing these like mad uh, influencer fights together, someone's going to get hurt. Thinking of that then, do you think that influencer boxing can last? Like, is it something that is like just a trend for now? Or do you think actually we need to get used to this being it, part, of a, part of the landscape? I think a lot of it might depend on how long they decide to do it. Yeah. But then I guess you're only ever however long from the next KSI, Jake Paul, whatever, turning up. But the main thing that would derail it is once the, the big name influencers kind of get bored of it. Woo, you have really been rolling with the punches thus far. So we're going to take an eight count. And when we come back, we'll get into how content creators and influencers are shaping the world of traditional boxing. But first... 
while you're waiting. Why don't you take this time to give some hype to the podcast by leaving a review or subscribing? We'll be back right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, fighters. It seems like there are lots of aspects of traditional boxing that are ripe for savvy influencers to pick up and market to their followers. The beef, the glamour, the performance of it all. But I want to understand how this phenomenon started and what it means for the future of boxing as a whole. This wave of influencer boxing certainly can be traced back to Joe Weller and Theo Baker. Brian Armand Graham is the deputy sports editor at The Guardian US and has been following the influencer rise closely. I think on a broader and more academic level, you could even take it back to the 2007 fight between Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya. That was the first time that HBO ran a sort of month-long reality series profiling both fighters in the run-up to the fight. Now, as boxing's most anticipated matchup in years approaches, two men seek their greatest victory. Only one will find it. And I think a lot of the tools that content creators use today about sort of showing behind the scenes and giving people a look, um, that was really the birth of Floyd Mayweather as a star, his sort of money Mayweather sort of made-for-TV persona. And, you know, even though that was sort of in a lifetime ago um, in, in sort of today's world, I, I do think that a lot of today's influencers and content creators have sort of taken cues from that kind of uh, promotion. I was even thinking a lot about like just the history of boxing and how we consume boxing has kind of technology evolving just naturally shaped how we experience and interact with boxing anyway yeah i think so i mean i think boxers um in general have always known um that it's more than just wins and losses and if they don't know they learn quickly Mm. you know this isn't the premier league where you have this whole multi-billion dollar promotional arm behind you that you don't have to worry about you know fighters are independent contractors And to a great extent, it is on the fighter himself or herself to draw attention to himself or herself. All all they've been given is a different set of tools in today's world. And are there boxers who kind of sit between being a traditional boxer and an an influencer or an influencer turned boxer? Because I think of someone like Tommy Fury. I personally came in contact with him when he went on the show Love Island. And so to me, he's kind of always been a bit of an influencer, but he was a a boxer first, but I think he straddles those two worlds a bit. And I wonder if there's anyone else that's kind of like that within the the industry. 
Well, Fury is a unique case, I think, because uh, he certainly comes from a long line of great boxers. Obviously, uh, he's related to the heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. Um, However, uh, I do think the fact that he does carry that family name, he can trade on that name to a great degree. To fight at the elite level um, of, of professional boxing, I, I think almost by definition isn't anything you can really do halfway. And I think that is, uh, you know, one of the reasons that you're never really going to see one of these influencer boxers really make it to that elite level. And when it comes to these influencers fighting in matches, it's like the numbers are insane. Like you're having millions of people stream it, all paying to stream it. I guess beyond just the huge fan bases, what is it about these influencer matches that really do draw the attention of like, yes, the young Gen Z fans, but we're seeing like, you know, big celebrities show up at these matches. You're seeing David Hay show up at these matches. Like what kind of pool do they have? On one hand, like everything old is new again. Um, I, I do think that um, fundamentally boxing at the elite level um, and sort of, you know, when, when you see these big fights involving, you know, the traditional heavyweight championship fights, it is, you know, as much about storylines and narratives as it has been about sort of athletic performance within the ropes. Obviously, that takes, you know, place on the night. But I do think that the storytelling that's been inherent and that has sort of captured the imaginations of, you know, generations of fight fans. I mean, really going back, you know, centuries, they've really sort of been able to capture on the theater and trade on the sort of narratives. They might not necessarily have the you know, athletic ability to to back up at sort of that world-class level. But watching two evenly matched fighters in the ring will always capture people's attention. Yeah, there's so much online drama. And I think you get sucked into the drama and you want to know about the stories and all of the gossip blogs are posting about it. And then all of a sudden this match is, uh, this like boxing match is announced and they're actually going to go and fight out. And I guess for a lot of people, it must be like really cathartic. I think there, there definitely must be some sort of like draw that people have to seeing like their faves who have been fighting online actually fight IRL. How do they manage to organize such huge fights? Like they must be supported by some of the frameworks around traditional boxing. The first big match was that 2018 fight between KSI and Logan Paul. After months of waiting. It's KSI versus wow. Logan Paul live from Manchester. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. They charged $10 for it. And at one point there was about 900,000 people watching because you could see at the time. You know, at that point they were doing this really almost as a pop-up sort of by you know, relative to sort of the industry standards. Um, but what happened after that, you know, the matchroom promoter, Eddie Hearn, got involved. He sort of promoted their rematch in the next year in 2019, which had to be, um, you know, one of the most watched. It, it was met with scorn by rival promoters. But when you looked at the millions of concurrent viewers that tuned up to watch those live streams of the press events, even during the run-up, I'm sure it only made them wish they thought of it first. Hearn def defended this by saying there was a redeeming value in capturing this audience to position his own fighters in boxing itself in front of the eyeballs that, you know, everybody is trying to court, the younger audience. And I think, you know, what's more alarming about that is what it says about boxing's ability to create its own new stars if, you know, these glorified spar sparring sessions you know, um, can become one of the, you know, talk most talked about events of the year. So a lot of people have described this sort of um, influencer and content creator boxing as like cosplay because of kind of as, we, as we've spoken about before, the sort of amped up drama, the kind of glitz of it all. Would you say that's a fair description? Do you see these matches as like pretending to be something that they're really just not? Broadly, I, I would say so. 
Um, you know, Jake Paul is a legitimate boxer in the sense that he's licensed. Uh, his fights have been sanctioned by state athletic commissions. They appear on a professional record, which is a lot more than other influencer boxers can say. Often they fight as exhibitions, which are sort of beholden to less rules. I think that you know, Jake Paul has become this sort of improbable champion of women's boxing. Take the first fighter that he signed to his promotional company, which is Amanda Serrano, a Puerto Rican native who lives in Brooklyn. Um, she's 33. She turned professional before women's boxing was added to the Olympics, so she didn't benefit from that sort of Main Street uh, visibility, but was unknown to all but the most hardcore boxing fans for most of her career just due to a lack of investment. Um, at one point, she got paid $1,500 to defend a world championship. Um, what? Yeah. And, you know, even as Ronda Rousey was living, lifting sort of women's mixed martial arts from like a sideshow to a headline attraction, you know, Ser Serrano found herself relegated to the margins of a sport where men with resumes similar to hers are the world's highest paid athletes. That is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, but since she's been fighting on these Jake Paul undercards, she's gotten visibility. Um, she got the promotional boost that she needed to get the first seven-figure payday of her of her career when she fought Katie Taylor last year before a sold-out crowd at Madison Square Garden. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. For what whatever you think about Jake Paul, whatever you think about sort of influencer boxing in general, he has sort of done and achieved what countless television networks and promoters have failed to do, which is sort of propping up women's boxing. And I want to ask a bit about the money stuff. When it comes to the content creators that are now in the boxing space, how do they get paid differently to traditional boxers? Well, it, you know, certainly in the States, it's, it's really, for a sanctioned fight, it's really no different. They go through the exact same sort of process. A lot of it in states like New York, it's publicly available information. You know, they get a, a, a purse that uh, appears on a form and they're paid that purse. And then, of course, they're paid sort of cuts of the pay-per-view, which which often happens in, you know, major fights as well, depending on how well the pay-per-views, they'll get a percentage of that. I think I would say Jake Paul has really been on, on the U.S. side, has really been on the forefront of it. His purses have been growing. You know, he formed his own promotional company. So he's sort of cut out the middleman in that degree. They're certainly not approaching what the very, very top boxers make. But here's the thing. In boxing, you know, and this has been a problem for years and years and years, you know, the top boxers are among the most highest paid athletes on the planet, but there's a serious drop off. There's really just no middle class in boxing. Um, and I think, you know, Jake Paul is, is sort of on the edge of that sort of higher earning bracket. But it's really interesting because I think some of the pro boxers can make between like 17 grand and 41 grand for a match, but then Tommy Fury took home like 3.7 million for his win against Jake Paul and KSI has made millions from his fight nights too. So it's like, it kind of sometimes feels like, because there's no middle class in boxing, it's like you have the people who are the best making a lot of money and then the people who are not as good as those people, not really making anything. And then you kind of have these influencer boxers who kind of just come out of nowhere, aren't particularly great, but are making a whole lot of money. And what, what does the boxing industry think about this sort of disparity in earnings? They may not be the best at, you know, throwing a jab or, or defending themselves, but they certainly are among the best in the world at getting attention. And I think we're sort of seeing what the uh, what the premium is. Unsurprisingly, the the prevailing reaction 
in sort of boxing circles. And my experience has been one of sort of, you know, pearl clutching and consternation, you know, as if sideshows like these are a modern phenomenon, which they're not. These influencer boxing matches are drawing a lot of attention and making a lot of money. And they're being kind of prompted by people who are already big in the boxing industry, taking it very seriously. So it kind of doesn't, it doesn't feel like something that exists on the side. It almost feels like a serious part of the boxing ecosystem now. Like, would you say that that's true or you don't, you don't agree? Um, I, I'm, listen, there's nothing more serious to these people than money. Um, and that's a fact going back as, as, as far as time. I'm not, I'm not sure we know that it's not necessarily a fad just yet. But I do think that um, it, we're learning that it can run parallel with boxing as we traditionally know it. I mean, just last month um, in what was, you know, sort of billed as, as the most anticipated fight of the year um, between Gervonta Davis and um, Ryan Garcia in Las Vegas, um, I was there. And, you know, it, it's America's two most popular fighters. But they were touted, um, you know, based on the strength of their social media following. I mean, Ryan Garcia has more than 10 million followers on Instagram, for instance. I think it was sort of boxing's first Gen Z mega fight. You know, it, it was born from this protracted feud that largely unfolded on social media over two years. And I think it leans into a future where followers are listed on the tail of the tape alongside the height and weight and reach. Do you think that maybe this heavy involvement of social media into, I guess, the marketing for boxing and what draws people in could maybe kind of sully the, the, the sport? <laughs> well, I mean, as mentioned, you know, that, that presumes that, that the, the sport can be further sullied than it, you know, already has been because boxing has always had a yeah. problem. The sport has always sort of, you know, it, it exists in this sort of red light district of professional sports. I don't know. Fundamentally, what is boxing? You know, one of the things that's always drawn me to the sport from a journalistic standpoint is the lack of barriers to entry, you know, that you or I could go down to the city hall today. I could pay $75 for a promoter's license. And from there, all I need is two people, you know, a room and some insurance and, you know, poof, I'm in the boxing business. It really is, um, you know, the fact that people are sort of getting into these money spending promotions through this sort of backdoor way. Um, that is sort of seems novel and fresh to us due to the technology involved. I don't know. It, it, it's really sort of a tale as old as time. And do you think traditional boxing could learn anything from this rise of interest in influencer and content creator boxing? I mean, I think they really already have. Um, and if you sort of, uh, and, and if they failed to, it would have been a huge indictment on the industry. You know, boxing is healthier than it's given credit for. Um, I think in general, with a, a very loyal audience that turns up for and buys the big fights. But there's no question that the perception of decline and its sort of generally aging fan base is helped along by short-sighted promoters who never really take big swings and pick up on the trends or, and, and are just too comfortable sticking with the status quo. But I do think that the smart ones are learning that it doesn't have to be a mutually, mutually exclusive deal. They can coexist with this sort of world of influencer boxing, whether it's picking up from afar, promotional sort of tactics, or it's actually getting in bed with the influencers in the case of Eddie Hearn and, and some other promoters. The smart ones are going to, are the ones who adapt. So do you see the future of boxing being an amalgamation of both like traditional and trained boxers and influencer and content creator boxes tag teaming in the near term absolutely 
Uh, again, I'm not really sure of if influencer boxing really has the legs to last beyond sort of the fad stage. I think the fact that Jake Paul did lose his for his most recent fight to Tommy Fury probably was a bit of a blow um, because I think a lot of people were interested in seeing sort of how far this sort of outsider could go. Because the truth is, you could count the um, amount of boxers in the history of boxing who have started boxing as late as Jake Paul and succeeded at the world class on really one hand. The truth is, I, I don't know whether it can sustain itself as a standalone industry. I mean, whether it can is sort of a uh, only time will tell. The world of influencers and sport are getting closer and closer. From sporting events like the F1 Grand Prix and tennis Grand Slams working with creators to boxing being flooded with influencer fighters. With all the Gen Zers getting into these sports, particularly boxing, will people be able to tell the difference between the professionals and the influencers? And if they can't, does it matter when they're bringing so much money and attention to the sport? It's been a knockout episode and we've come to the end, guys. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Moya, sound designed by Mal Lissetto, original music by Axel Kukutier. The executive producer is Maz Ebtahaj. See you at the next match next Thursday. This is The Guardian. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.